Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to take a look at how laws affect children as we grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Emma Constance? Well, previous people we have interviewed have described how most disputes don't go to court. And so I'd like to hear about other ways that people can get justice when something has gone wrong for them. That is a good question, as going to court can be a very expensive and time-consuming process. There is a simpler way of sorting out problems using the tribunal system, which is designed to be an easier, quicker and less formal process than using the courts. There are different types of tribunals in the United Kingdom, which cover a lot of areas in our lives, particularly to do with employment, government decisions such as benefits and immigration, and local government decisions involving schools. The administrative justice and tribunal system ensures that public bodies are held accountable for the decisions they make and the rights of people are protected. Let's speak to the senior president of tribunals, Right Honourable Sir Keith John Limblom, who can tell us more about the work of tribunals. Welcome, Keith, to our Kids Law podcast. We are so pleased to have you here. Can you explain what the tribunal system is designed to do? Thank you, Alma. And first of all, let me thank you for inviting me to come onto your podcast uh, to talk about the important work that tribunals do for people up and down the country. Uh, As you probably know, there are a great many kinds of tribunals, but the ones I'm responsible for are run by uh, the Courts and Tribunals Service, and they're called the Unified Tribunals System. Now, As you know, government departments and local authorities make a great many decisions that affect people's lives. For example, decisions on the benefits that people are given by the government or how much tax someone should pay or if someone should stay in the country on asylum. So if someone disagrees with any of those decisions, usually they can ask a tribunal to look at it again and decide if the government or the local authority made the right decision. Now, the modern tribunals were created so that judges who are independent of the government can decide whether the government's decision was correct or not. Because the tribunals deal with cases which affect people's day-to-day lives, it's really important that everyone is able to find them easily if they have to. As you know, fighting cases in the courts can be an expensive and lengthy process and and very hard to do if you haven't got a lawyer to help you. Now, the tribunals were set up to ensure that everybody's case is dealt with fairly and efficiently and that the tribunals are accessible to everyone who wants to use them. Tribunal judges are very familiar with hearing from people who do not have lawyers helping them with their case. And they take special care to make sure that people who are particularly vulnerable, for example, because they don't have a lot of money or they're unwell or they're disabled, are still able to get the justice they need. Something else I'd just like to say about the tribunals is what's called the jurisdiction. Unlike the court structure, which covers only England and Wales, the tribunals for which I'm responsible extend to people who live in other parts of the United Kingdom, including Scotland and Northern Ireland. So we also have to make sure that people living in those nations can get access to the tribunals as well. 
So what type of cases are most commonly heard in tribunals? That's a really good question, and actually it's quite hard to answer. There's a great variety of cases heard by the tribunals. I'm actually responsible for no fewer than 14 different tribunals, which between them have almost 6,000 judges and members. That's to say people who sit on tribunals but who aren't actually judges. There are seven first-tier tribunals, that's the lower tier of tribunals, where people first bring their case. There's the War Pensions and Armed Services Compensation Chamber. There's the Social Entitlement Chamber. There's the Health Education and Social Care Chamber. There's the General Regulatory Chamber. There's the Tax Chamber, the Immigration and Asylum Chamber, and the Property Chamber. Well, you can tell just by the name of each of those uh, chambers how broad that um, range of work is. And then on the, the upper tribunal, there are four chambers where people can take an appeal from a decision of the first tier. Now, most tribunals hear cases from people who disagree with a decision that's been made by the government or by a local authority. For example, benefits in the Social Security and Child Support Tribunal. The question whether a local authority has made the right decision about a young person's education. That's in the Special Educational Needs Tribunal. The question whether someone who's applied to stay in the United Kingdom, either through the usual immigration process, or whether the government made the right decision on how much tax someone has to pay. Now, some tribunals hear cases between two parties. That means two people who disagree with each other, rather than, say, a party who's opposing something that's been done by the government. So that could be in the employment tribunal, where an employee who feels they've been mistreated by their employer or dismissed unfairly, or has been underpaid in the employment tribunal, or in the property tribunal, someone who's renting a house who disagrees with a decision by their landlord. We've heard about how cases are managed in the magistrates and crown courts. How Hmm. does it work in tribunals? Well, the tribunals were created with some basic principles in mind, and the three really important ones are fairness, efficiency, and accessibility. That means that you can get your case heard in a tribunal without too much difficulty. And this means, as you could imagine, that proceedings in the tribunals are often quite informal by comparison with the courts. Some of the tribunals sit as a panel. So not only is there a judge there, but there are two other uh, members of the panel who are perhaps non-legal members, lay members, we call them. They're not judges or lawyers but they are people who have specialist knowledge or expertise in a particular area. So I'll give you some examples. Medical members who are doctors for cases where the health of a patient or person uh, in the tribunal is important. Service members who were in the armed forces where experience in service is really important to understanding the case. Disability qualified members who either have a disability themselves or they've got experience of working with people who do have disabilities, and they can provide insight into what it's like to live with a disability. And then in the employment tribunals, you've got lay members who could have knowledge or experience in in HR matters, or they're members of a trade union or other representative organisation. So what's important is that these non-legal members can make it easier to decide a case fairly and correctly. Judges as you can imagine, are very knowledgeable about the law, but they don't know everything about everything. 
for non-legal members fill those gaps and help the judges to make better informed decisions. Another thing I want to mention about the tribunals is that people who, who go to the tribunals often appear there without lawyers to represent them. So judges and members have to explain the proceedings to them, how it all works. They sometimes have to take take the initiative themselves in asking questions, which is perhaps more so than judges who sit in courts. And then where does it all happen? Well, some types of hearings take place in rooms which do look very much like a court, but uh, others, for example, have tribunal judges and members and the claimants sitting round a table. And that can happen, for example, where the judges and members go into a hospital. At the end of the hearing, the judge will take advice from the non-legal members on the panel before coming to the decision. And most of the time, a decision will be either finding that the decision was rightly made or else finding that they did make a mistake, that they should reconsider, for example, of making the, the benefit payments apply to somebody or deciding that someone should be allowed to stay in the country or it could result in a, in a decision that the claimant should be granted compensation in money. So there's a huge range of work and outcomes in the tribunals. Are there tribunals for children? Well yes there are. There are tribunals which deal specifically with cases that affect young people and others which, which engage with children in different aspects of life. Many young people are helped by the Special Educational Needs and Disability Discrimination Tribunal, which is within what's called the Health Education and Social Care Chamber. The councillor for the area where you live is called a local authority, and they make decisions about a child's education, such as where they go to school or college, and what support they need to be successful in their education. If you need different support from what a school or college would normally provide, you're considered to be somebody who has what are called special educational needs. Now, if, if your local authority makes a decision which you or your parents disagree with, you can challenge that decision. That's to say you can appeal it to the tribunal. You can also challenge if your school if you think you've not been treated fairly by them because you've got a disability or you think the school has not made the necessary changes to enable you to learn effectively with your disability. So the tribunal does hear from young people uh, up to the age of 25. And that includes, of course, people who've left school, who can bring their own cases to the tribunal. But of course, younger children will have their cases brought by their parents. What's important to the tribunal is hearing what young people have to say themselves about their education about the difficulties they have in school or any extra help they'd like and what their their own wishes are. And so sometimes the child will come to the hearing with their parents and will be able to meet the tribunal panel before the start of the hearing. Since the, the COVID pandemic began, the tribunal has held all its hearings online and children and young people can meet the panel that's hearing the case by video or on a smartphone or computer from their own homes and many people of course like that others like to tell an adult advocate what they want and they'll write down what they think or email the tribunal instead children can give information to the tribunal sometimes by drawing pictures or making short videos of their own or by texts or email so you can see the tribunal is very flexible in how they receive children's views it knows how important it is to hear children's voice because it's the child's education which will be affected by the decisions that they make. And the people who sit there, the judges and the non-legal members, 
are specially trained to work with children and make them feel comfortable enough to speak openly. They don't wear judges' robes, no wigs and gowns. And if the child comes into the hearing room, the panel will set up a circle of seats, for example, so that they can sit together and talk about the, the problems. And it's really important the tribunal understands what the, children, what the child's views are before it makes a decision. It, it also deals with permanent exclusions where the child or their parents believe the exclusion was connected to a disability. Because of the importance of those decisions to the children and the young people involved, the tribunal arranges um, a short time for evidence to be sent and hears the cases very swiftly, usually within about 16 working days. What happens if one of the parties to the tribunal hearing does not agree with the decision? Well, that happens quite often, as you can imagine. And the tribunals have a similar approach to the courts. But rather than the high court hearing appeals, uh, appeals will go in the first place to one of the four upper tribunal chambers, which I mentioned earlier, or the Employment Appeal Tribunal. They can ask the upper tribunal or the Employment Appeal Tribunal to look again at what the judge said and make their own decision whether it was right or not. And then there are appeal procedures onward from the upper tribunal and the employment appeal tribunal to the higher courts and then ultimately as you know cases can go from the court of appeal to the supreme court which is the highest court in in the uk can you tell us about your role as a senior president of tribunals and what you do in a typical day well i've got a great many responsibilities that are rather like the lord chief justice's responsibilities for the courts but i have to make sure that tribunal judges and, and the non-legal members in the tribunals, first of all, they get the training they, they need properly to do their jobs. So there's a broad, very broad range of responsibilities there. But each day is different for me. Then I don't really have two days ever that are quite exactly the same. So some days I might be engaging with the government on changes they're thinking of so that they can understand the practical effects that this might have for the running of the tribunals. Another day I might be meeting with the courts and tribunal service and chamber presidents to discuss, you know, a new case management system or video hearing service for the tribunals. I have to make sure that I keep in touch with the senior judiciary in Scotland and Northern Ireland because I'm making decisions which affect the tribunal judges uh, in those countries. Uh, and then what have been my priorities since I started in this job? Well, I started about a year and a half ago, and when I began, I had three main things that I really wanted to achieve. The first of these was that I wanted to improve the diversity of the tribunal's judiciary. And really what that means is that the people who sit in the tribunals as judges and non-legal members should, act, should look like and be like the people that they're interacting with in our society. And that means, of course, encouraging people who are, for example, from a from an ethnic minority background, women, people who have a disability, to apply to be a judge or a non-legal member uh, in the tribunals. And that's a really important thing, as you can imagine. Uh, the second thing I wanted to, to do was to make sure that people could easily and quickly get their disputes resolved. And that means finding ways for the tribunals to work more efficiently, but also increasing people's awareness of where they can go outside the tribunals to get their disputes resolved. And the third thing 
that I really wanted to to achieve in cooperation with with the senior judges in the courts is to bring the courts and the tribunals closer together. And you could put it this way, to create one judicial family which brings together all the courts and tribunals judiciary, um, no matter when and where they might be hearing cases. So those are the three things I set myself as aims to achieve. And we've made some, some good progress already with all of them. But lastly, I'm also a judge in the Court of Appeal. And I still sit and hear cases like every other judge does and make decisions on those cases. Before becoming senior president of tribunals, has your legal career involved children? Well, it has. Uh, when I was a barrister, I, the work I specialised in doing was, was planning and environmental law. The law, when it relates, for example, to climate change, affects everyone. That means adults and children in all parts of the country. And then when I first became a part-time judge, I sat as what's called a recorder in criminal cases. That means a part-time Crown Court judge hearing criminal cases, cases before juries. And there are, unfortunately, a great many cases in which children have been victims of crime or otherwise affected by crime. I have a question I ask all of our guests. What were you like at 10 and what did you imagine you would go on to be as an adult? Well, I'm not sure quite what I was like when I was 10. I wasn't interested in the law at all. There weren't any lawyers in my family, so I knew really nothing about the law. I I know one thing, though. Perhaps what I, I was a little older than 10. I think I was about 11 or 12. I was very interested in being an architect. That was the first thing I wanted to be. And I had that ambition for quite a long time because I, I liked drawing and I liked design, and I still do, actually. But then somebody said, well, you must be very good at maths then because you need to be good at maths to be an architect. I was surprised. I was a bit shocked. And I said, I'm no good at maths. So I'm afraid I had to abandon that ambition. But strangely, later on, I did work in planning and the environment, those, those areas of the law. And I found that as I did that work, I had to work quite often with architects and other designers. So I, I satisfied my ambition in a different way. Thank you so much, Keith, for telling us about your role as senior president and about the work of tribunals. Do you have any advice for children who want to understand more about the work of tribunals and the legal system generally? Well, as you know, Alma, there are, there are many resources online for young people and their parents and their schools. The judiciary does have a website and it gives a great deal of information about how the system works. And also, for example, how you might get a judge to come to your school to talk about the work they do. And, and the other thing, perhaps a lot of people don't realise, is that tribunals and courts in this country are open to the public, as they should be. So you can go with, a, with an adult to look around your local hearing centre or Crown Court, and you can go and sit in on cases. So where I work in the Royal Courts of Justice, where the Court of Appeal is, and the Supreme Court, for example in Parliament Square. They're open to the public. There are school trips to go in, have a look at what's going on, sit in on cases, and you can experience then what it feels like to be in a hearing. And you can see the huge variety of the work they do. Well, Alma, what do you think about what Keith told us today? Well, 
I learned that the tribunal system extends across the whole of UK, not just England and Wales. There are 14 different types of tribunals, 6,000 judges and members who hear over hundreds of thousands of cases a year. You do not need a lawyer in a tribunal and the judges will help the parties with the evidence and there are specialist panel members who bring their experience and knowledge to ensure fairness. Tribunals which involve children, such as those with special educational needs and disabilities, want to make sure that the voices of children are heard and are happy to have their evidence in text, videos and even drawings. In our podcast, we've been exploring how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so that they can make informed decisions, not only about their lives, but things like voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works. It's also important that children know that they should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. This includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too, so tell them that you need to talk to them. You can find out more information on Kids Law Info website. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.